This is um, the third in a three-week series of uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So, James talked to us about the, the person of the Holy Spirit. Greg talked to us about the work of the Holy Spirit. And then my assignment was to talk about, all right, what does it mean to live in the Spirit? Okay. Um, I'll begin with a quick little story. It was the middle of winter, and the electricity had been knocked out due to an ice storm. As they listened to a battery-powered radio, the announcer said, the following churches will be closed due to lack of power. If you'll turn with me, please, to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. We're going to begin in verse 37, and then we're just going to read one verse in Galatians and one verse in Ephesians. John chapter 7, beginning in verse 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. In Galatians chapter 5, please. This is where we find the fruit of the Spirit, but we're just going to read one verse. In Galatians chapter 5, just verse 16, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, I know there's a lot of other verses we could read here, but um, Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then just turn a couple pages over to Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The Lord will bless the reading of His Word in this morning. Our Father, we thank You this morning for giving us Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank You for loving us so much that You were willing to send Him here to pay the price for my sin. And Lord Jesus, thank You too for sending us Thy Holy Spirit. We pray that we would be a people who are led by Thy Holy Spirit, who are filled with Thy Holy Spirit, and who are empowered by Thy Holy Spirit. Because we need You. In Jesus' name, Amen. There's a common saying, right? Uh, we've heard people say a lot of times that what you don't know doesn't hurt you. Right? Ignorance is blessed. Not in the spiritual realm. In fact, in the spiritual realm, what you don't know will hurt you. And that's kind of what we've been doing in this series here. In other words, if you do not know the promised provision 
of the presence and power of the person of the Holy Spirit, then you will be, in a sense, hurt. You will not be able to live this Christian life as God intended. You will not be able to live this Christian life as God desires for you to live this Christian life. If you do not know the purpose of the Holy Spirit. To many Christians, right, the, the Holy Spirit is a, is a mystery. He's the hidden person of the Godhead. The Father we know, the Son we know, but what about the Holy Spirit? Few believers understand who He is, why He came, or what He does in the world today. Fewer even understand the role, the vital role, that the Holy Spirit plays in the Christian life. I think a proper knowledge of the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential to finding peace, to finding joy, and to find victory as a Christian. Many believers live far below their potential because they have never discovered the Holy Spirit. They know little about His power, about His indwelling, His anointing, His intercessing, His fruit, His gifts that He longs to give and to produce in them. Living without the Holy Spirit is like trying to drive a car with an empty tank of gas. You can't do it. Francis Chan, he wrote a book uh, called The Forgotten God. And this is a quote from that book. He says, there is a big gap between what we read in Scripture about the Holy Spirit and how most believers and churches operate today. He said, in many modern churches, you would be stunned by the apparent absence of the Spirit in any manifest way. Satan's ultimate goal is to thwart God's kingdom and purposes. So one of his main strategies is to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. The degree to which this has happened is directly connected to the dissatisfaction most of us feel with and in the church. Have you ever felt dissatisfied with the church? Let's say the church universal in general. I have. And there are times where you feel so dissatisfied. You feel so disappointed. With the church today. But not only that, there are times when I feel disappointed with my church. I feel dissatisfied. And French Chan says that too. Even in your church sometimes, this idea, that the degree to which we have ignored the Holy Spirit is results in we are dissatisfied with the churches that we go to. He says, we understand something very important is missing. He says, I believe that this missing something is actually a missing someone. The Holy Spirit. Without Him, people operate in their own strength and only accomplish human-sized results. We're going to get to that a little later on uh, in this message as well. But let's look at the first thing, okay? What does it mean to live in the Spirit? What does it mean, you know, um, when we talk about being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit and being led of the Spirit? What what exactly does that mean? And certainly there are um, several passages that deal with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I just chose these couple. And so we're just going to kind of focus on those two this morning. Uh, but this idea of filled, right? Um, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in, uh, in Galatians, we looked at this idea of walking, right? Uh, filling and walking is kind of what we're going to look at this morning here. So when we talk about filling, 
Right? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, Paul says there, what you really want to do is you want to picture someone who's drunk. Okay? You want to, want to kind of in your minds think about, okay, someone who's under the influence of something. Right? Um, what you're filled with actually controls you. Right? We read in the Bible that there was some, the Pharisees, right? Upon uh, some of Jesus' teaching, it actually says that they were filled with rage. They were filled with it. And what happened? They dragged him out and they brought him to a place where they were going to try to throw him off a cliff. So what you're filled with controls you. Someone who is filled with alcohol, it controls you. In fact, you lose control. When we talk about filling, filling brings the Spirit's control as we yield to the Spirit. As we yield to Him. When you consider the idea of walking uh, in the Spirit... The only thing I can think of is picture someone with a cane, right? That person who has a cane, right, he needs that cane to get around with. Okay? He can't just decide, okay, for these couple hours I'll use the cane today, but in these other parts I'm just going to walk on my own. Uh, no, he's dependent upon that cane all the time. Right? He has to use that cane lest he fall, right, and, and hurt himself. Right? So he walks by that cane means he depends upon it, right? He, he depends upon it. And so walking, actually, as filling, brings the Spirit's control. Walking maintains the Spirit's control as we depend on Him. As we depend upon Him. Interesting thing, too, in both these verses, uh, walking and filling are both commands. Okay? They are not suggestions. In fact, both of them in the language are urgent imperatives. Okay, they are not just some casual suggestions. These are urgent imperatives that the Bible gives us. That you must be filled and you must be walking. The other thing is that they're both continuous. If you look at the verb tenses. So it's not like there are certain times of the day where you should be filled and, or you should be walking. Is that you should be continuously, all the time, be filling and be walking. All the time. Both this idea of filling and walking, they result from a mindset, okay? a mental attitude, a conscious pattern of thought. Both filling and walking entail turning from something and turning to someone. Both entail turning from something and turning to someone. Turning away from self, turning away from flesh. Right? And turning to the Holy Spirit. For example, I cannot be filled with the Spirit while I have unconfessed sin in me. Can't do it. Okay? I cannot be filled with the Spirit while at the same time conducting my life in the energy of my own flesh. It's impossible. I cannot be filled with the Spirit while I'm resisting God's will and relying on my own for myself. It's impossible. Filling and walking has the idea of turning from something and turning to someone, namely the Spirit. And so what are the effects of this, right? What are the effects of filling and walking, of living in the Spirit? Right? Well, if we just look at just again these couple verses, one of them, one of the effects is freedom from the flesh. Okay? Freedom from the flesh. This verse here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. 
There's some uh, interesting renderings here of, of the translation. Uh, some of them, I think it's the RSV and maybe another one. It actually reads, um, walk in the spirit and do not gratify the lust of the flesh. It's kind of misleading there because actually in that verse there, walk in the spirit, there's only one command. And that's walk. Right? Sometimes those translations make it look like there's two things you have to do. That you have to walk in the spirit and don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Not so. Right? One might seek to not gratify the desire of the flesh in their own strength, right? You see, not gratifying the flesh is a supernatural result of walking by the Spirit. It cannot be accomplished by fleshly effort. You cannot not gratify the desires of the flesh on your own. You can't do it. It's impossible. In your own self, your own fleshly efforts, you cannot do it. It is a supernatural effect of walking in the Spirit. How many of us, right? How many of us struggle with those desires of the flesh, right? How many times do we say, Lord, I don't want to gratify those anymore. I want to kill those things. I want to forsake them. If that's your desire, you've got to know that you can't do it. The effect of walking in the Spirit is a supernatural effect where you actually do not... Des- Satisfy the desires of the flesh, according to Galatians 5 there. Walk by the Spirit, and it says, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. In other words, don't walk by the Spirit, and you will. You will. That's a great gauge for us, right? How many of us say, well, I don't know if I'm filled with the Spirit. I don't know if I'm walking the Spirit. Well, are you satisfying the desires of your flesh? Then you're not. (laughs) You're not. You're not completely dependent on Him, maintaining that Spirit's control in your life. We also see uh, later on in this context, which we're all familiar with, in verses 22 and 23, that one of the effects of this idea of walking is fruit. Right? Fruit results from walking by the Spirit. And the same is true of what we just said with this one. Right? If walking by the Spirit means being fruitful then not walking by the Spirit means you're fruitless. If you are not producing fruit in your life, if you're fruitless, well, then you're not walking by the Spirit. That's one of the effects. Not only freedom from the flesh, but also fruit. Fruit is a result. In Ephesians, <clears throat> we read of this filling, right? This filling. And you'll... You'll see there, I gave you a handout uh, today. Um, we're going to be referring that uh, a couple times during this message, but it's interesting. If you look at Ephesians um, chapter 5 here, and uh, you look at how it parallels with Colossians. They're very, very similar, as you can see there. And uh, another thing that's interesting is that here in Ephesians, in Colossians, and even in First Peter, there are instructions regarding our home, instructions regarding our interpersonal relationships, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves amongst our spouses, our children, uh, people who work for us, uh, our parents, and things like that, right? There's all these relationships. And it's interesting that there's something before each one. Okay? In Ephesians, right, before these instructions are given for how you are to conduct yourself amongst your relationships in your home, it says be filled with the Holy Spirit. In, um, in Colossians... Right before these instructions are given, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then in 1 Peter, right before these instructions, it says, 
The Lord Jesus Christ gave you an example that you should follow in his steps. Isn't that interesting? There's three things there that if you want to conduct yourselves in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, there are three things right there. Be filled with the Spirit, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, and follow Jesus' example. But here, we're just looking at the effects right now. You will see that in your, in your chart there that one of the effects right, of being filled in the Spirit is actually speaking to one another. You read that right there in Ephesians. It says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. All right? In short, if I could say this, one of the effects, right, of being filled with the Spirit is your tongue. Your tongue. Hey, James uh, talks about that, right? That if you can control your tongue, that's actually the sign of a mature believer. Maturity is just being able to control that tongue. And so I believe the tongue itself, right, the way we speak is an indicator, right, of whether we are controlled by the Spirit of God or by the natural power of our fallen state. Right? Your tongue is very important. It's a great indicator of whether or not you are being controlled by the Spirit or not. Or if you're being controlled by your flesh. You know, given the, the vital role right, that our words do have in, in interpersonal uh, relationships, it is not surprising right, that Paul emphasizes speaking first. The tongue is so important. In fact, even in the parallel passage, Colossians, you'll see there that one of the effects is teaching and admonishing one another, which is not exactly identical, but it has to do with what? Talking. (laughs) Right? It has to do with speaking. It involves speaking. And so this is one of the effects of being filled with the Spirit. And then you've got all these different relationships, right? Uh... Husband to a wife, wife to a husband, parents to children, children to parents, masters to slaves, slaves to masters, and so on, right? And so one of the the, um, the effects, right, of the Spirit's filling, right? It, when we are filled with the Spirit, it should radically, radically affect all of our relationships. It has to. Being filled with the Holy Spirit of God will affect how you relate to other people. And how can we also discern if a person is filled right, with the Spirit, as described here in Ephesians? Well, one of the last effects I see here is that they're joyful. They're thankful. They're grateful. Right? That's another great effect of being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're saying this because, you know, a lot of times we hear all the time is that it's a mystery, right? This whole idea of the Spirit and the ministry of our lives, it's this hidden thing. And we, we're always talking about, you know, what does it look like, you know, to be filled with the Spirit, to be walking in the Spirit, right? To be yielding to that Spirit's power in our lives, right? To be maintaining that dependency upon the Spirit. These are them right here. If you are freeing yourselves from the desires of the flesh... That's a sign that you're being controlled by the Spirit. If there's fruit in your life, you're being controlled by the Spirit. If you are speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, if you're thankful, if you're grateful, that's a sign that you are being controlled by the Spirit. What's your relationships like? Do you have a good relationship with your spouse? Do you have a good relationship with your children? Are your relationships good amongst the brethren? Well, that shows that you're being controlled by the Spirit. 
if the opposite is true. Right? If you're fulfilling the desires of your flesh, if you're fruitless, right? if you're complaining all the time, if you've got, you're at odds all the time with your spouse, with your brothers and sisters, you are not filled with the Spirit. You are not under His control. You are not acknowledging your, your dependency in Him. You're not maintaining that dependency. In fact, what you're doing is, you're dependent upon your own flesh. That's what you're doing. So we know what this filling, this walking the Spirit is, right? We can see what the effects are of it, but how do we do it, right? How do I do it? How do I walk in the Spirit? Right? How do I fill myself with the Spirit? <clears throat> I think each day, right, it's got to have to begin with, with you and I, right? Before you even get out of bed, before you get out of bread is to, is to, to say a prayer, <laughs> To ask God, right? Say, listen, God, today, before I even get out of this bed, I want you to fill me. I I don't want to be filled with my own flesh, with my own self. Before I even get out of this bed, I don't even want to go try to have my quiet time right now in my own flesh. Before I even go have my quiet time, before I even go to pray, before I even say good morning to my wife, I need you to take control of me. And it has to be every day. And then a little later on, you may have to pray that prayer again and say, God, listen, I can feel I can feel my own flesh coming in, my own desires coming in. I need you to control me. My thoughts, my actions, right? My words. Let me try if I can, I don't know. Try to illustrate it this way. Let's say that this balloon represents. My life. Okay? Alright, this may be actually the hardest part of the illustration right here. I was trying to blow this up here. Alright. So I'm studying this. Okay? And the Lord's convicting me. And I want to live a spirit-filled life. Right? I want to live a life that's worthy of the calling with God, which with God has called me to. Right? I want to be a godly husband. I want to be a godly father. You know, so you know what I'm going to do? Tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up 15 minutes earlier and, uh, and spend 15 extra minutes with the Lord tomorrow. That's what I'm going to do tomorrow. And you know what? Two, tomorrow, I'm not going to react to my kids and raise my voice. Tomorrow, I'm going to start responding to my children in patience, right? You know what I'm going to do? Tomorrow, for family night, maybe we'll order pizza. And what I'll do is, if there's actually just one slice of pizza left, I'll see if someone else wants it instead of me just eating it. And you know what? I was thinking about this too. You know, if I'm caught in traffic, next time I'm caught in traffic, instead of me saying Christian swears at those people, okay, I'm going to take that time to actually pray for the people in my assembly. You know what I'm going to do? The next time I have some of my friends over and we're going to play a game together, 
I'm not going to have a bad attitude when I'm losing. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to rejoice that my friends are winning the game. Okay, Mike? Listen, good intentions, right? Good intentions. But eventually at the time, what's the use? What did I fill that balloon with? My air, right? My efforts. Let's try something a little different. Instead of me trying to rely on myself doing it, I need to allow God to fill me. I cannot keep trying to do these things in my own effort. If I had a helium tank, I would have blown it up for you, but I didn't have one, so I had to blow up ahead of time. Okay? But we, we have good intentions, don't we? Every day we have good intentions of trying to do what is God-honoring. But if you try to do it in of your own flesh... And of your own strength. What's the point? You just get frustrated. You get tired. It's useless. We have to keep that mindset. As I said in the beginning, this is a, is a, is a, um, a mindset that we have to have when it comes to being controlled by the Holy Spirit. As I saw, told you before, too, how else do we do this? Is that if you look at the parallels there again, Right there, parallel with being filled with the Spirit is letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. You want to let the Spirit of God control you? You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? You've got to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And listen, sometimes it's kind of misleading there. Yes, Bible reading is important. Studying the Bible is critical. But I want you to notice that the question is not, are you reading your daily devotional? Okay? Are you spending time with Jesus? That's how you are controlled by the Spirit. That's how you are filled with the Spirit, is spending time with Him. Spending time with Jesus. Letting His living and active Word dwell in you richly. Let Him dwell in you richly. The other thing that we see is in uh, 1 Peter is that it says that Christ Jesus left us an example, right? That we should follow in his steps. Luke actually teaches us how Jesus walked. If you'll just turn there quickly to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. chapter 4. Look at verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. Turn to verse 14, please. We know the story of Jesus there in the wilderness being tempted. In verse 14, look what it says. And then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding region. 
You see, Jesus was the God-man, right? Jesus as God-man was not only filled with the Holy Spirit, we read, he was led of the Spirit, and he conducted himself in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the example for us. He did this each and every day of his life. He gives us the perfect example of a man who is controlled by the Holy Spirit. He's being led by the Holy Spirit. He gives us an example of someone who is submitting one's will to the will of the Spirit. The power Jesus depended on was not his own. It was the inherent ability of the Holy Spirit who enabled him to carry out his ministry. To summarize Jesus as our example, right? right? Jesus functioned on earth as the God-man by allowing himself to be controlled by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You want to live a Spirit-controlled life? You need to, one, acknowledge your dependency on the Spirit. Each and every day, yielding to His power. Right? You've got to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Spend time with Jesus. Right? Let the living Word dwell richly in you. But also you need to follow His example. The Lord Jesus has left us an example that we should follow in His steps. He was one that was filled with the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He was empowered by the Spirit. Even Jesus did not depend on His own, but depended on the ability of the Holy Spirit. The portion we began with this morning, John chapter 7, to just go back to that real quickly. John chapter 7. One of the things that, um, as we look at John chapter 7 again, verses 37 and 39, you know, verse 37 says, On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. This is the gospel message, right? Notice that it's centered in a person. Right? Jesus stood and cried, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Right? It is centered in one person. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. But look at that too. It says also it's, it's offered to everyone without restriction. What does he say? He says, if anyone. He doesn't say if some. Right? He says if anyone. Anyone thirsts. And of course it's predicated on a human need, isn't it? Right? He says if anyone is thirsty. Right? This is the gospel. Does it demand a personal response? Yeah, he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come. Let him come. Does it invite a personal participation? Yeah. Let him come and drink. We see the gospel message here. And Jesus says, he who believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I don't know if anybody's uh, familiar with an artesian well. Matthew got me a, a little diagram here. Now, I'm not a big science guy. Maybe Brian or, or Greg might even be able to explain this a little better than me, okay? But there's actually, there's places in the ground 
where you have this aquifer of water that's stored underground. And all you've got to do is find a way for that water to release at the top, and it will continuously flow. You don't need any pumps. You don't need any mechanics, nothing. It's a natural thing. A lot of times we see these like with springs and geysers and things like that, right? And so there's some people that you know have built these in places where they may not be able to um, get water, so to speak. I guess there's a really large one in Australia in, in, Midland, in the middle of the, that island there. Um, but it's kind of a, a unique thing. And I just thought... This artesian well, right, um, it, it, I think it helps us illustrate this idea of this fountain of living water that will flow through us, right? Um, and so, if you're obeying Paul's command, right, do you have that other video too, Matt? We can show him what it kind of looks like. So here, here's one here this guy dug up. And you can see this goes on for a couple minutes, but it's just nonstop. Nonstop. Once you get up to that top, it just keeps flowing. And flowing. In fact, in this video, I told Matt to turn the volume down, but the guy actually says, he's like, listen, it'll stop in a little bit. <laughs> it doesn't stop. Okay? It keeps going. He's going to have to figure out some way of capping it or figuring out how to uh, control you know, that flow there. But if we are obeying Paul's command to be continually, right, being filled with the Spirit, right, it's a continuous thing, um, then I think we're functioning spiritually, okay, like an artesian well functions geophysically. Okay. Um, Paul is telling Timothy, in essence, right? He's saying, listen, you are to live this new life in Christ, not in dependence on your own natural strength, okay, but in dependence on the power that's provided by the Spirit who dwells in you. Right? We're not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. It's that same word, dunamis, dunamis, okay? Right? The interesting thing about these artesian wells is that there's actually pressure above it that actually causes that water to flow, right? It's like almost like power from above, right? We read that in Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 49. I love that verse here. I'll just read it quickly. Lord Jesus says this. He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from above. Okay? That's what we've been given. Right, that promise, right, that power that is from on high. And I just think it's a practical picture, right, of the power of the Holy Spirit flowing not only to us but through us as well. And so, what does an artesian well then have to do with how um, we can function effectively? Well, there's just two things I thought of that I think that are applicable. Is this um, one? In order for that to work, in order for us to function spiritually as an artesian well would function geophysically, is we have to stay low. Okay? This starts way down in the earth. and There's some aquifer down there, some, some settled water down there. Um, and so we have to stay low. I think that's one of the most important things with living a spirit-controlled life, is to stay humble. To stay humble. Um, we know that in order to daily experience, right, um, His power to live a supernatural life, we have to humble ourselves. Okay? So, if I want to break the chains of addiction, right, one of the first things you've got to do is you've got to humble yourself. Okay? How often do we, we work with people who have addictions? That that's the biggest problem, is to get them to say they have a problem. <laughs> right? There's, there's, there's got to be humility there. We have to stay low. Okay? If I want to love my wife continuously, right, as Christ loved the church, that starts what? 
I got to get low. (laughs) The Lord Jesus got as low as he could get to love the church. There has to be humility there, right? To continually let no unwholesome talk proceed from my mouth, I have to humble myself. I can't just sit there and say, well, you know, that wasn't that bad. I don't say that often. Right? We have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And the second thing about these artesian wells I think is applicable uh, to us in living this spiritual life is that they have to stay open, so to speak. Okay? They have to stay open, as we saw there, so that it continuously can flow. Right? So we have to allow the flow of the Spirit to keep flowing. <laughs> to keep flowing. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. We, we may actually continue this series. Because one of the things that we don't have time for today, I'd love to go into is, what does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Right? Those are things that you can do. Right? And so it's important for us to actually allow the flow of the Spirit to keep flowing. Right? What impedes that flow? Sin. Right? Sin impedes that flow. Right? And so we need to be sensitive. This is important. Listen, we need to be sensitive right? when we have offended the Spirit. You can grieve him. You can quench him. Okay? And how do you do that? Well, you can offend him with your thoughts. Okay? That's important, right? Because a lot of times we do things in our mind that nobody else knows about. And a lot of times we say, oh, well, God knows. And I confess it. No, the Spirit knows too. And you offend him. Okay? We need to be sensitive to that. The times that we may offend the Spirit with our thoughts, certainly with our words as we've been talking about, or our deeds, our actions. We have to be sensitive to those things. We need to confess and repent. Proverbs chapter 28 says this, verse 13, it says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Will not prosper. In fact, you might keep uh, the flow of the Spirit from flowing. We need to keep it flowing. Look at it this way too, right? If you are seeking to satisfy your thirst, looking at this context here again, if you're, if you're seeking to satisfy your thirst with the things of this world, it's like drinking seawater. Right? It's like drinking seawater. Right? You think that you're quenching your thirst, but in reality, the whole time, it's what? It's killing you. It's killing you. In fact, uh, Puritan Richard Sibb says this. He says, all earthly things are as salt water. That increaseth the appetite, but satisfieth not. It'll just increase your appetite. It'll never satisfy you. Like the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, we can consider this um, seawater, right? Which is water, but can't really drink it. The interesting thing about these artesian wells, too, is that you don't need any filter system. That they actually pass through these, uh, like a semi-permeable layer of stone that filters the water for you. It's crazy, right? But it says, remind me, this flow in the Spirit, it's pure, right? It's clean, right? And that's what we want in our lives here, to not allow sin to impede that flow. Uh, So we need to stay low and we need to stay open if we want to have that filling of the Spirit. All right, in conclusion, all right? Listen, this is important. The world, right, is not moved by love. The world is not moved by actions that are of human effort. They're not. It may look like they are, but they're not. The world is not moved today by love or actions of a human creation. 
doesn't happen. Okay? And the church, the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. We're no different than any other gathering of people if we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Tozer says this, and this was some 50 years ago. 50 years ago, he says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. I think it's true. We, we work in the reality. The Spirit of God is helping us that we work supernaturally. That we can see things doing here at Brantford Bible Chapel or in the church universal that are supernatural. Listen, it's great. We've come up with some great activities, some great programs. Some great, but guess what? You can do it without the Holy Spirit. Or many times we are doing it without the Holy Spirit. And I think that's the point Tozer says. In fact, he says this. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church in Acts, 95% of what they did would have stopped and everybody would have known the difference. Look at what happens in the beginning of the church. Right? Because men and women were controlled by the Spirit of God. Okay? They're not functioning based on what they think or what they, you know, uh, according to their own flesh. They are completely dependent on what the Spirit of God is leading them to do. Allowing the Spirit of God to fill them. Allowing them to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, let's not be ignorant to the presence and power of the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay? What you don't know does hurt you. It will hurt you. It will hurt you. And if you want to live a life that's pleasing to God, if you don't understand the person and power, or the presence and power of the person of the Holy Spirit, it will hurt you. Let's be filled with the Spirit as we yield to Him and depend on Him in everything. Okay? Let's live in the supernatural, not just the natural. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from our assembly, would anyone know the difference? I'd like to say yes, they'd see the difference. That's something we have to ask each other of ourselves. Are we a spirit-filled church? Or are we just a friendly-filled church? Or an activity-filled church? We need to be a spirit-filled church. And let's follow our Lord Jesus' example, right? Okay? Let's allow ourselves to not just be controlled by the Spirit, but be led by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we sang this morning that we need you. May that certainly be the prayer of our hearts. I know too often we'll leave here today and we will have good intentions. We will try to do things um, in and of our own strength, our own flesh. And I just pray that you would remind us um, that those attempts are useless. Too often, I think we all know um, how frustrating this life can be as we continue to gratify the desires of our flesh. We feel like there's no fruit. Um, we... We don't like the way we're talking, our relationships with each other, and it's because we just have not yet allowed ourselves to be controlled by the Spirit of God.
we know um, that this is something that's not easy to explain, but it's certainly something that we can experience. And so I pray that each and every one of us would experience this today and this week. Experience what it's like to um, be controlled by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be empowered by Thy Holy Spirit. Help us to stay humble. Lord, help us to confess and repent, forsake any sins that may impede uh, the flow of the Spirit from flowing uh, in our lives. We want to be a Spirit-filled church. We want people around us to see supernatural things that are going on. Oh God, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.